when things get tight, when things get tough, how do we deal with those unbelieving situations in our life? How do we how do we feel when we become frustrated? Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. I honor the spirit of the Lord in this place. I um, counted a privilege uh, for the invitation from your wonderful, gracious pastors to me on this evening. Um, Let's just open up with a word of prayer if we can, if everybody would just bow their heads. Father, we thank you for this day, God. Father, we realize that nothing is by accident, coincident, or chance. Father, you knew where we would be. You knew what we would stand in need of, oh God. So God, we stand in expectation right now to hear of your spirit, oh God. Father, we open ourselves and I yield myself as a vessel to be used for your glory in this place, in this season, in this hour, oh God. And Father, I pray that every word in my mouth and even the very meditation and intents of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We bless you, Lord God, for tabernacling with us, oh God. Father, give us ears to hear, hearts to perceive, and a mind to do your will. We thank you in advance for the word that shall come forth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let every heart in agreement say amen. Amen. Well, if you would, open your Bibles to the ninth chapter of the book of Mark. We're going to begin with verse 14, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the word of God reads, it says, and when he came to the disciples, speaking of Jesus, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered and said unto them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I just want to use as a topic on this evening, frustrated with my faith frustrated with my faith. And if all of us will be honest in here, we all reach points of frustrations in our lives. Is that true? Can I get just a show of hands? All, all of us deal with frustration on some uh, level in our lives. Just a, just a wonderful true story. I love how God always confirms his word. When it was in my heart to share about frustration, my pastor, the uncle of this ministry, I guess, or uncle to the ministry, Bishop Bronner, he always teaches that you, you'll you be tested in what you teach or you teach in what you've been tested. God honest truth. This morning, I dropped my son off to daycare 
And as I was walking in, I'm just singing songs of Zion. I was singing, we exalt thee, as a matter of fact. And I was just going down the hall, taking him to his class. We exalt thee, we exalt thee, we exalt thee, O Lord, we exalt thee. And I just had a praise in my heart that this is going to be a great day. That's my declaration every single day. So I dropped him off maybe 7.30 and took him in his class, checked him in, and I went on my way to work. About 9.30, I get a phone call from the director uh, of his daycare, and the tone in her voice was a little uh, concerning to me. And especially since the fact that she called me, she said, Mr. Thomas, I just called to tell you that your son had a bit of an accident. Now, my son is too young and he still wears pampers. So I said, you know, he got to change your clothes if it's that kind of accident. But they said, no, no, no. He was he was running in the classroom and he tripped up and he split his lip and uh, split his lip open. And it's pretty deep. And you might want to come get him and take him to get stitches. That was a frustrating moment. Just two hours prior, I'm singing the songs of Zion. And then this happens. So I gather myself and I and I go pick my son up and he's just having a great time, still running around like nothing's wrong. And I took him to the doctor and the doctor told me that it'll heal on its own. No need for stitches. But I say, wow, what an awesome illustration of uh, an opportunity for frustration. But we get frustrated whenever we get tired. People get frustrated when they get hungry. People get frustrated when they get lonely. My goodness, don't run across somebody on the wrong time. We get frustrated because people don't understand us. We'll get frustrated when we feel like God's not hearing us. We'll get frustrated when we get stuck in traffic. And Lord knows that's some great opportunity in Atlanta. We get frustrated every time we don't have enough money to do what we want to do. We think about all the things that we could do if we had the money to do it, if we had the time off of work to do it. And it's frustrating because we want to do things. We feel things in our heart, but we can't do it. And we get frustrated. We get frustrated if we go to a restaurant and they take too long to serve our food. I tell you, we had a little, my wife and I went out a couple of weeks ago and they, they burned her food up and had to send it back to the kitchen. And my wife got frustrated. She got frustrated. She got frustrated. We get frustrated when we're not getting along with our spouse. We get, we just get frustrated all these times. We get frustrated when we can't find a job, when we're underemployed, when we, we're unemployed. We, we get frustrated when we don't knew, know what move we need to make next. Just frustrated. Frustration is all around us. Frustration when we go from one bad relationship to another. Frustrated when life doesn't seem fair. But understand that frustration is a natural part of life. I don't care how saved, how unsaved you may be. You will deal with frustration. Mark my words, I don't claim to be a prophet, but I guarantee that if anybody in this place is breathing, anybody watching on the Internet or television, you will be frustrated. Just just accept that reality. But here's a question I want to pose from this story that we read from the ninth chapter of the book of Mark. How do you shake frustration when it doesn't want to seem to leave you alone? How do you shake it when it doesn't want to seem to leave you alone, when it's something, when it's a hook in your flesh, when it's a struggle, when it's something that you just can't get rid of? The Bible tells us right here in chapter uh, in, in, in chapter nine, verse 21, when Jesus asked the father, he said, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood, he's been dealing with this thing his whole life. And as a as a as a parent, as a teacher, as a coach, as a mentor, anytime you see your child. Your, 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 your student, your mentee, your player dealing with things and struggling with things. It can be frustrating because you can be sitting there asking yourself the question, how long will he deal with this? How many more times am I going to have to talk to her about this? I've talked to her till I've been blue in the face and I vividly remember. And I think I'm getting a dose of it now that I'm a parent. But I, I just remember putting my mom and my dad through some stuff. I put them through some stuff. And now I'm sort of reaping what I sowed back then in my own life. 
But you just have to just understand that God is gracious. Isn't anybody glad that God is gracious and long suffering and merciful? What if God said, I, I've told him twice, Jason ought to know. He ought to know better. I'm not telling him anymore. Whatever mistakes he makes, that's on him. But it says he's been dealing with this since childhood. And if we'll be honest, there's a lot of stuff that we may be manifesting if we're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 or 70 years old that traces all the way back to our childhood. And we never effectively dealt with it. And it can cause you to be so terribly frustrated because you can't shake it. My pastor taught me recently, he said that you'll never conquer what you're not willing to confront. And when I read this story, I said, how in the world did this daddy let his child deal with this since childhood? He's been dealing with this his whole life. But I also got a revelation of something else. People are held back from going to the next level in their life because of their unwillingness to confront a relationship that needs to change. People are held back because they're not willing to confront things that need to change. They take the attitude. Everything's cool. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't rock the boat. But in this story here, we just read about two frustrated people. Jesus is frustrated with his disciples because they come to him saying this man, his son has an issue. We can't do anything about it. We try. And I just love how Jesus just chumped him off. He, he said, oh, faithless generation. Now, if anybody should have had faith. It should have been Jesus's posse, the people who walked with him, the one who saw him perform miracles. But he called them a faithless generation. He said, how long shall I be with you? In other words, how many times do I have to do this? How many times do I have to tell you? Doesn't that sound just like a parent? How many times do I have to tell you? You've seen me. You've walked with me. You, you, you've, you've been a part of miracles that people just are dying to be a part of. And you can't even handle this. Bring the boy to me. Forget it. I've tried it. Y'all, y'all tried to deal with it. Just bring the boy to me. And I can just imagine the shame that the disciples might have felt. Because they, they may have felt like, man, you know, maybe, maybe this is something that we should have stuck with a little bit longer. Maybe we should have been paying a little more attention. Maybe, 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 maybe we've been comfortable for too long. Maybe we've been leaning and depending on the prayers of our pastors and our parents for too long. And it comes a time where we have to get stirred up and frustrated. And I love the type of frustration. I'm not talking about frustration just for frustration's sake. The type of frustration I'm talking here is the type that Jesus used, which I believe is righteous indignation. Jesus was like, how many more times am I going to have to tell you this? This is the same feeling that Moses had when he saw that Egyptian beating that Hebrew. Something welled up on the inside of him and said, this ain't right. I got to stand up and do something. If it's not me, then who's going to say anything? If I don't act now, when is somebody going to act? People are talking about what we need to do, but when are we going to move and act? We got to maintain an attitude that we have to learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. This keeps our hearts pure and in tune with what God truly desires for our lives. We have to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? How do you want to use me? And I, you know, When I read this story and I came to the part about the father talking about he believed, but he needed help with his unbelief. And I had to be honest. I said, God, that's me. That's me. I believe there's no question in my mind that Jesus died on the cross. Nobody can tell me otherwise. He died for me. If he died for nobody else, he died for Jason Thomas. I know he died for me. I'm confident of that. But what happens when you have tempting moments not to believe? When your belief may waver because of the circumstances in your life, when you're not properly anchored, 
And Jesus told him, he said, man, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. And it said the father cried out with tears because I think he got a revelation. He got a revelation that, you know what? Things aren't as bad as they seem. And many of us are like the father in this story. There's a part of us that believes, but it's during those tight times. It's during those lean times when our money is tight. It's during those tough times when our, when our spouse is acting a fool. It's during those times when, when, when we get in hot water. It's during those times when people have betrayed our trust. We believe, but God, I need some help with my unbelief. I'm dealing with some stuff. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm confused, God. I don't know what I need to do next. I know that you've called me, but what does that mean, God? I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Every time we're tempted to cheat, God, I believe. God, I, God, God, I believe that you have my best interests at heart. God, I, God, I believe that you'll never leave me or forsake me. But God, I, I, I don't understand why this person had to die on me. You know, I, I'm a full believer in, in, in just the constant circle of life. Pastor James talked about the fact that my wife and I welcomed a, a, a new baby into the world a couple of months ago. But last month on the on the 22nd of December, my wife lost her brother at 37 years old of a heart attack. Totally unexpected. But at the same time, while we're welcoming this new life in, God's ushering another one, returning them back home to him. God, we believe, but help our unbelief. When things get tight, when things get tough, how do we deal with those unbelieving situations in our life? How do we how do we feel when we become frustrated? And I think part of the frustration that comes is because we can get comfortable. We can get comfortable with how things are. Everything can be just honky dory, same old, same old. And something has to jolt us. Something has to move us. Something has to motivate us beyond our place of complacency. Because honestly, frustration should really move us from apathy to action. I don't know any human being that has a heartbeat and a pulse that can see what happened in Haiti a few weeks ago and not be touched, not be moved to do something. If it's just texting Haiti on their cell phone to donate $10 to the Red Cross. Some people may feel a charge, a greater charge of compassion to go over there and help on the ground. Some people might want to help medical personnel, help these people rebuild their lives. But it has to move us from apathy to action. We can't sit on the laurels of what we've done. We're 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 the hands and feet of Jesus. And we have to be frustrated in a way that it'll move us from apathy to action. Frustration has to move us from complacency to commitment. Too many people sit on the sidelines for too long and they just sit back and wait for somebody to 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 make that first move. I love in our youth services, whenever it comes offering time, we don't pass buckets through the aisles. We uh, we make the young people get up and come down front for their offering. And you'll be amazed how you can hear crickets in there when we extend the invitation at first. Nobody's moving. But it just takes that one person to get up and say, I'm bold enough. I'm not ashamed. I'm coming. Render my offering unto the Lord. And after that. One after the other, but some somebody has to get it started. Frustration has to move us come from confusion to clarity. So many people are clouded in their thinking. They want to do a million and one things for God. But David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And that's the thing that I'll seek after. What's the one thing that you're willing to give your life for? What's the one thing that you want to be known for? What's the one thing that you want to be associated with your life? You got to have clarity of vision that gives you acceleration towards your known goal. Give it having clarity. When you're frustrated, you have to move from fear to faith. Time is out for people just sitting on the sidelines saying, well, you know, if it's God's will, I'll do it. Somebody has to be bold and stand up and say, God, if you can use anybody, use me. 
I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Somebody has to have it in their heart to say, you know what, God, I may have failed 10,000 times before. But on 10,001, I'm still trusting you that you place this in my heart and I'm going to go forward in your strength and your wisdom and your boldness. And I'm going to do the thing that you laid in my heart. Frustration has to move, move us off of the sidelines and move us into the starting lineup. Too many people are being spectators when God's looking for some players. And understand this, God's not looking for superstars. God's looking for role players. Kobe Bryant didn't win a championship until he learned how to be a role player. He scored 81 points, but he still didn't win a championship. But once he learned how to engage other people, you have to learn how to get off the sidelines and into the starting lineup. Just a few thoughts on faith I want to share with you. Number one, as we talk about being frustrated with faith, the first thing I want you to understand about faith is that faith is progressive. Faith is a progressive entity. Romans tells us that it comes by hearing and hearing. It's a progressive thing. Faith isn't something that you just get one time and that's it. It comes by hearing and hearing and constantly feeding yourself with the word and constantly seeking God's face. It comes by hearing and hearing It's progressive. Number two, faith is tangible. Hebrews tells us that it's the substance of things hoped for. Faith is something that that you can almost taste. You might not even be able to put your hands on it and say, this is my faith trophy right here. But it's it's a substance. You know it when you got it. You know it when you got it. I remember some years ago when I received a baptism of the Holy Ghost, I was at a meeting out in uh, Dallas, Texas at the Fort Worth Convention Center. And, and, and the man of God that was ministering that night just felt impressed upon his heart to call every young man under the age of 30 who had never received a baptism of the Holy Ghost to come down. And I went down. I was one of the few young people in the group that was with that I was with. And I went down and the man prayed for me and we went on through the service. And and that was that. So on our way back to the hotel, uh, a group of the pastors from our church, we were walking back to the hotel. And I, uh, I pulled one of them to the side because I didn't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Ghost at the time. And I pulled them back. I said, hey, man, hang back for a second. Let them walk ahead. I said, uh, how do you know when you got it? He said, bro, I saw you down. And he said, you ain't got it. <laughs> he said, you ain't got it. If you got to ask, you ain't got it. Faith is something that's tangible. It's the substance of things hoped for. But I thank God I got it now. Amen. Amen. Number three. Number three. Number three. Faith is measurable. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 3, that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, we can't go into our uh, our cupboards at home and get our measuring cups and say, uh, I got one third cups faith. I, I got two teaspoons of faith. But God has dealt to everybody. It's, 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 it's measurable. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And you can tell how much faith a person has by listening to what comes out of their mouth. You have to listen to what they're speaking, listen to what they're believing. Number four. I firmly believe that faith has the power to cleanse. I've been cleansed by faith. A lot of the things that I've messed up. It talks about in, in, in Acts 15, 9, how, how, how their hearts were purified by faith. By faith, we can mess up. And that's where, you know, you can even have a, 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 a what uh, has been labeled as a born again virgin. Somebody who's physically lost their virginity, but has committed themselves back to God to be a virgin again. Faith can cleanse. And the fifth thing. Faith must be activated. Faith has to be activated. It's not, no, it's, it's, it's not enough to have faith and not use it. That's the same thing as having a gun and talking about what you do with it. That's, that's, that's just like a young man who may say, uh, if I go out with this young lady, then you know, such and such and such and such. But you're talking all this big stuff, but nothing happening because you're not activating it. I love a story. Flip over with me real quick to Acts chapter 14. I want to just read a few verses in Acts 14. Verse eight, 
And it says, and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. And this man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And this is a story about how man's faith was activated simply by a word of encouragement, simply by Paul taking an uh, taking an interest in him. It says that Paul served him. uh, Paul, Paul observes him intently and he saw that he had the faith to be healed. But Paul had to activate it. Paul had to say something to him. He said, man of God, stand up straight on your feet. Did the man have the power to do it on his own? Absolutely. But Paul had to speak to his destiny. And he told him, stand up. And it sometimes it just takes a person looking at your life and just giving you an extra push that you need. Seeing the passion in your heart. It's just about somebody sometimes speaking towards your destiny. But sometimes, truthfully, frustration is often the result of us acting out a character or nature that's not in line with who God has made us to be. James talks about being doers of the word and how It's like a man who goes and looks in the mirror and when he walks away, he immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, I think all of us have looked at a mirror at some point today in our home, in our cars. I think all of us know whether we light skin, brown skin, dark skin. All of us have we all of us know if we have no hair, a lot of hair, gray hair, somebody else's hair. We all we all know that we all know that none of us have forgotten that. But it's amazing how we can look in the mirror and we can walk away and forget what manner of man that we look like. So we have to be ever so mindful. We have to be ever so mindful that we have to have progressive faith, tangible faith, measurable faith, clean faith and activated faith. And I tell you, once we can get beyond those things with our frustration that we say, God, I'll unashamedly live out my faith for you. The world will be a different, different place. Well, believe it or not, all of my time is gone. Uh, if you'd like to catch this message in its entirety, you can simply go to www.airjesus.com. Ask for uh, message number 6303. Thank you so much for joining us for Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the word. I just want to leave you with a few closing thoughts that I did not get to. As far as just how to manage frustration uh, that as it comes in your life, as you experience it, I'm a very practical person. The first thing I submit to you uh, in managing your frustration is simply take time to get quiet before God. People minimize the importance of getting in God's presence. If we believe that it's fullness of joy, there's peace, there's joy, there's there's just a calm. There's wisdom beyond our own imagination that you find in the presence of God. He has the ability to put things in perspective for us that our minds can't even comprehend. So take time to get quiet before him. Secondly, if you're dealing with frustration, I encourage you to just pray and ask for God's help and understand and realize that everything is either God sent or God used. So just ask for God's help when you're dealing with frustration. I had to drive around today to deal with the frustration when I got that call about my son, because I said, if I go up here right now, it's going to be some problems. But you just have to ask for God's help. Thirdly, in dealing with frustration, you need to write out what you want to accomplish. Write out. I think people perish for lack of a vision and we really perish for a lack of putting things in writing. We have to have tangible markers in our lives. So write out what it is you want to accomplish. Write out not simply that you want to make more money and have better health and have better relationships. What does that mean? Write it out. Give tangible markers. Write those things out. The fourth thing I'd encourage you to do is to find a mentor or an accountability partner. 
This will save you a whole lot of time from making some terrible mistakes. And this will keep you rooted and grounded and close to God and keep you from experiencing some trouble and heartache that you don't have to unnecessarily. And finally, I encourage you simply to fast. Fast. The the, the rest of the story there in Mark 9 says that some things can only come by fasting and prayer. And in our walk with God, there are certain things that can only come by fasting and prayer. So I just want to pray to just seal, seal this word. Father, I thank you for the reality of who you are. I thank you for being more than we can ever imagine or think, God. Father, I thank you for sending frustrating moments in our lives to cause us to rise to higher levels. I thank you for sending frustration in our lives to make us better than we could ever imagine or think. Oh, God, I thank you for causing us to be frustrated, Father, to move beyond average and mediocre. Oh, God, I thank you for causing us to be frustrated so that we won't be satisfied with the status quo. God, I thank you for making us frustrated that we might be moved, Father God, that we might be on fire and set ablaze to tell the world about your love. Oh, God. Father, I thank you for each and every story that you've developed in this place, oh God. I thank you for the collection of experiences, oh God. I thank you for the sum of our testimonies, oh God. Father, never let us minimize those testimonies. And God, I just pray that your spirit will continue to rest upon this ministry. I continue to pray for Pastor Nathaniel, Pastor C. Elijah, and Pastor James, that as their heart is in tune with your voice and your will, Father God, that showers of blessings will overtake the ark of salvation, oh God. I thank you, Father, for this being a safe place. I thank you for this being a place where your peace abounds. I thank you for this being a place that you favored, oh God. I thank you for being this being a place that you've set apart. Now, Father, I just simply pray that you'll continue to have your way in each and every one of our lives. And we thank you for the word that you've spoken in our hearts tonight. And we pray that you'll seal it with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This ends message number 6302 by Dr. Jason Thomas. To hear other messages or to send this message number 6302 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com or theonlineword.com. This has been message number 6302. Frustrated by my faith? Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.